Good morning, church. Good morning. I know you're glad to see me two weeks in a row. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That was a joke. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm Hez, one of the pastors here, and I will be bringing the word this morning. And I just ask that you, once again, would pray with me. Father, so many times I, I come before your people, I just feel inadequate to preach your word. This is one of those moments, Lord. I need your help. I need your power. And I need your wisdom. Would you give me the right words to say? whether I have them before me on the page or in my heart, would you help me to speak your truth this morning that I might bring you glory in Jesus' mighty name. We're actually going to be uh, going from uh, chapter 1, verse 10, all the way to chapter 2, verse 14. And so here we go, church. Praise God. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? This is the question, church. This is the question that Paul lays before the Galatian church and us this morning. This is the question that he asks as he, as he now moves, church, from addressing uh, and defending the accusations against the gospel that he preached to now addressing the accusations that are being made about him and his calling. Accusations that not only claims, church, that, that Paul is a false apostle, but accusations that calls into question his motives as they have charged him, church, with, with being a people pleaser, a charge that to Paul is probably one of the most egregious accusations that one could make about him as a servant of Christ. Though one might think that Paul's most important objective in defending himself is to address his apostleship. As we see from his initial question, Paul's most concerning accusation is, is actually, church, the latter. For one, to say that he is pursuing some self-motivated approval of man is to say the very opposite about his pursuit of God. In other words, Paul is saying, church, that that, that one can't have it both ways. He says, if, if I was truly trying to please you, then I would have been doing everything for my own gain and I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul, before he begins making his case, wants them to understand the, the gravity, church, and, and the weightiness of, of what they have come to believe about him. He wants them to understand the, the whole picture of this accusation that is being made. 
Paul in presenting these two contrasts of, of pursuits, the one of man's approval versus that of God's approval is, is extremely reminiscent of the contrast that Jesus presents in the Beatitudes. As he in Matthew 6 verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Paul wants them to know, church, that you can't have it both ways. For him to seek the approval of man would, would be to despise the approval of God. Though Jesus, in his example, church, uses God and money, we know that this, this principle that Jesus presents doesn't only apply to money but to any self-serving worldly pursuit, any worldly treasure. And Paul wants his readers to know this morning that if you believe that I was truly after the approval of man, then you are essentially saying I am not a servant of God. And he's asking them, is this what you think about me? Is this what you have come to believe about me as, as this is what these men have told you? Paul is saying, is this what you think have driven me to come to you and pour out my heart to you? Is this what I displayed as I spent time with you? Did I come to you as one who was actually trying to please you by allowing you to remain in your comforts? One whose main goal was to serve himself. As he would be after notoriety and accolades. Because if this is what you believe, then you are honestly saying that I am not a servant of God. An accusation that Paul is greatly offended by and is more than willing to defend himself against. And he not only defends himself against the accusation of people-pleasing church, but, but, but he does it by providing receipts for his dedication and service to God. A service church that was the means for him coming to them as Paul was called and given a life not of his own, but a new life that began with God at the center of it, church. And this new life began with a gospel message that was not of his own. For he says in verse 11, For I would have you to know, brothers, that the gospel that I preach, uh, that was preached by me, is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul begins his, his defense, church, by saying to these believers, let me, let, me, let me reiterate and make clear that the gospel, church, that I brought you, the one in which I have laid out and explained to you very clearly, the one that, that, that I have showed you that you are abandoning is not a gospel of my own. He says, in fact, it's not man's gospel at all. Firstly, because the gospel that I brought you is not about man. It does not have man at the center of it. 
For the gospel that I brought you, church, is about God. And it's about what he has done for you, not a gospel centered around you and what you can do for him. But it at its core is a, is a story that is centered around the actions of God, around who God is and what he has done for us. Where everything that we could possibly do for him is only a response to his goodness and his mercy. He says it's a, it's a means of, of gratitude for all that he has already accomplished. Therefore, if anyone is to bring you a gospel that is centered around man's action, know that it's not truly a gospel of God at all. It's truly not good news as there is nothing that man can do in and of himself to make himself righteous. There's, there's nothing that man can do to make himself right with God. Paul says this is not man's gospel. Secondly, it's not man's gospel because the, the gospel that, that I brought to you, Paul says, is, is not a gospel of my own because I did not receive it from any man. He says, nor was I taught it by any man. But he says that the gospel that he received and brought to this Galatian church came to him through revelation of Jesus Christ. And Paul is not just, just saying this church because it's true. It's not just a, a matter of, of fact, but he is saying this because the, the men who accused him of being a people pleaser also accused him of receiving this gospel secondhand. One in which they say he, he learned from someone else and then distorted for his own gain. They have used that claim to, to sort of show their superiority over Paul and his, his message, flexing their authority and superiority as they claim to be men from Judah. And if you don't know, Judah is, is a region church where, where Jerusalem is. And Jerusalem was, was sort of during that time the, the hub of, of Christian mission as it was where the message of God flowed out of as, that is where the Holy Spirit fell and, and Pentecost and all of that and Peter given the sermon. All of this happened in Judea. And so these men come. Flexing that. They say we are men from, from where the, the gospel first was and then went out as Judea and Jerusalem served as sort of a headquarters for the Christian movement, especially for Jewish believers. This is why, as we saw last week, that Paul and Barnabas are going up to Jerusalem to make their case for the gospel that they preach. And this is where these men have come from. And so they're saying, we're, we're not just any believer, but we're coming with the authority church of the apostles as one who have learned from them in Jerusalem. But Paul says, <laughs> my gospel that I preach did not come from any man but he says, the gospel that I preach, Galatians, 
came from, from Jesus Christ himself. It is not true that I got it secondhand. It's not true that, that, that it has been given to me from some man with his authority to preach. There is no man that, that I received it from or, or was taught, uh, taught it by. Paul says, I received it and was taught it directly through a revelation from Jesus Christ. Revelation Church that came by way of a miraculous encounter with the Lord. An encounter church that we have recorded in the book of Acts in Acts 9, one in which Christ reveals himself to Paul and asks him the question, why are you persecuting me, Paul? An encounter church that radically changed Paul's life. As Christ called for Paul to, to sort of, not sort of, but to give up his, his worldly pursuits that, that he might truly follow him and serve him. Christ charged Paul and called him to, to no longer, church, pursue a mission and ways of his own, but to conform to his ways as he called him to carry out his mission. A mission, church, that was not of his own or on his own accord, but one in which God had called him to and created him for. And Paul continues to pull out receipts as he explains that this, this life-changing encounter, uh, uh, as, he, as he recites to them this life-changing encounter in verse 13, where he says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my uh, people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Paul says, have you not heard of me? <laughs> have you not heard, Galatians, about my former life? Do you know who I was and, and what I did? He says, have you not heard about how I persecuted the church and, and violently worked hard to, to destroy it? He said, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my age. In other words, I had all of the accolades and I had all of the praises of people. I was well accomplished and I had no need to change anything to please people. In other words, Paul is, is saying, church, to, to these Galatians, put some respect on my name because my name rang bells in the streets. He says, I don't have to give you some secondhand twisted gospel to get the approval of man for I already had it. I had it, church, as I worked violently pursuing the destruction of the church. For I was extremely zealous for the law and the traditions of my father. In other words, I had all the accolades that they charged me with claiming to gain from you. All of the accomplishments of one looking to please man's, he says, and I had it all as a Jew who was violently persecuting the church. In what world 
would it make sense to you that I would switch sides to try to build up the church, the very thing that I was working so hard to destroy and to relax the laws and traditions of the fathers that I worked so violently to uphold for the purpose of gaining accolades and the praises of men? Paul says, in what world does that make sense, church? The only way that any of this would make sense is if God himself who set me apart before I was born had sent his son to me and revealed his son to me so that I might experience him for myself. He says in order that I might be called to a new life as he has charged me to take the gospel to a people, to the very people that I despise as a Jew. Those who I would have never associated. How? How could you believe that I came to you on some mission to gain your approval? I needed nothing from you. Paul says, the only way for that to have made sense is for me to, to be on a mission, not of my own, but to be on a mission for the true and living God, one in which he has called me to, that I might serve him and bring him glory. As I take his gospel to a people who, who never knew him, that they might also know him and, and follow him and share in the freedom of his glory and grace. Paul says, this is what I was called to, Galatians. This is the mission that I am on. And it's not about man, but, but it is about God who sent his son that we might have true life in him. Paul describes his, his transformation uh, uh, beginning in, in verse 15 by, by using sort of familial prophetic language, church, as he describes his encounter with Jesus. Doesn't it sound familiar? Language that, that is very similar to Jeremiah 1, verse 4 through 5, as the prophet uh, describes his encounter with the Lord. As he says, now the, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. He says, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Much like Jeremiah church, the, the living word comes to Paul and explains to him the predestined plan and, and purpose for his life, one that was planned before he was even created and formed in the womb, one of which God has consecrated or, or set him apart for, as the word consecrate means to set apart a calling and mission in which a universal word of God is given to him to take to the nations, a word of God, church, that came by God's great grace and for his glory. A word in which Jeremiah explains that God gave him, as he, as he says, he, he placed it on his mouth and charged Jeremiah to go to take this word to wherever God would tell him to go and to whomever God would tell him to take it to. 
a task in which he was created for as he was created to be a servant of God. A called church that required no input or validation from man as, as man did not give it to him nor teach it to him. Paul continues, church, to, to lay out his receipts as he gives an account of the history of his mission and the authority that he operated in to carry it out. As he says in verse 16, I did not immediately after this encounter go up to Jerusalem and consult with anyone. In other words, Paul is saying to them, when God called me to this mission, I did not go and, and seek man out, church, to understand it or, or to get their authority to teach it. But he says, I went away to Arabia. In other words, after encountering Jesus, after receiving the word and, and, and his call to the mission that was laid out by the Spirit of God, he immediately followed the orders of God and, and went up to Arabia to preach the gospel, a task that he says that he carried out for three years before even stepping foot in Jerusalem. In other words, Paul is saying here, church, my response was, was not to immediately go up to the apostles and get their validation. Not to go to anyone else who men claim to be significant, but, but his, his immediate uh, response was to be obedient to the one who called him to the mission. Taking the gospel that was not a message of his own, to a people by way of a mission that was not his own, through the power of the Holy Spirit who endowed him with an understanding and authority that was not his own. Paul says it wasn't until three years later that I, I went up to Jerusalem. And he said, when I did, I was only there, church, for, for two weeks. He says that was not enough time for me to spend with Peter uh, that I might get the gospel from him and, and distort it in some way for my own that I would be able to preach it. He says I was only there for 15 days. How? How could I receive it from him uh, as some, some secondhand means and then distort this gospel? And then he says in, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, and, and then I didn't go back up to Jerusalem until after 14 years. He said, I went and, and served this, this mission and this call for 14 years before going back up to, to, your, to your hub where, where you get your authority from. Paul says, 14 years. And when I did go up, he says, I went up with Barnabas. And the reason why I went up was because I got a revelation from the Holy Spirit, meaning it's not because anyone called me there. No one was questioning my gospel or the mission that I was on. In fact, he says, I went up with, with Titus. I took him with me, Titus, who is, is a Gentile. And when, we, when I was there with Titus, we enjoyed the fellowship of the brothers. We ate and, and we worshiped together. 
I was with all of your leaders. I was with the apostles and nobody questioned my message and nobody called Titus to be circumcised. He says, not Peter, nor any of the apostles. He says in chapter two, verse four, he says, he says they were all fellowshipping and enjoying each other's presence together, enjoying the freedom of the gospel. That is, that is, he says, until these false brothers, those who probably church were of the, the same sect that, that came to him in Antioch and the same sect that is now troubling the Gentile church. He says, until these, these false brothers came in that they, might, that, that they might slip in and spy out our freedom. He said, we was good. We was chilling, enjoying the Lord. We was, we was eating good, church. We was worshiping. That is, until these, till these dudes came in. And they didn't come in with the, the same agenda of, of worshiping and enjoying the Lord with us, but they came with an agenda of their own. They came to slip in and spy out our freedom. In other words, they didn't come to share or fellowship with us, but they came for the very purpose of, of disturbing the freedom that we enjoy as a means to draw us back into slavery under the law. Paul says, but, but no, I did not yield to them for one minute. And the reason why I did not yield to them is not because of my pride. It's not, it's not because of something in me. But he says, I did not yield to them because I wanted the gospel to be preserved for you. In other words, Paul has already encountered these men before they went to Galatians. He has already encountered their claims. And he says, right before the face of the apostles, I debated these men. I debated their claims, claims that the apostles didn't even make themselves as we was enjoying ourselves together. And as I debated these men and stood on the same things that I, I now stand on today, he said, I shared the same things then that I shared with you. So that this gospel that we shared in together, the gospel of freedom that I brought to you would not be changed or distorted by men for their own account. Those who look to force you back into slavery, into the slavery of the traditions of men. Those who actually are looking to serve themselves as they, they work to force uh, uh, others to follow in the ways of men rather than to share in, in the freedom of Christ. Paul says, I didn't back down to them for one minute. For you. And Paul said, none of the apostles, not one, questioned me or rebuked me. But instead, they all recognized that I had been entrusted in the same way that Paul was entrusted to the Jews. That I had been entrusted to take this good news, this, this gospel of freedom to the Gentiles. He says to you. As they had perceived, he says, the grace 
that had been given to me, the same grace that came to you as I brought you this gospel message. And they gave me and and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, agreeing that we should continue in our mission to the Gentiles, only asking us to remember the poor. That is that they would remember the Jerusalem church, one in which the Gentiles who they were reaching was helping to support church. They say, please just remember, don't forget the poor. Paul's last receipt was not one of him going up to Jerusalem another time, but he he speaks of a time when Paul came to visit him in Antioch. A time in which Peter was amongst the saints in Antioch, both Jew and Gentile. A time in which they, they once again celebrated and worshipped together, sharing in the freedom of Christ as they fellowshiped and ate together. That was, as you could guess, until these false brothers came once again. Paul says that when those men came into their midst and, 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 and uh, saw the fellowship that they, they were having, Peter, who, who was just fellowshipping and eating with the Gentiles as brothers, had began to then draw back, he says, from the Gentile brothers, separating himself from them. And Paul said, I had to confront him. I had to confront the most revered apostle of the church because he stood condemned. He was condemned because before they came, he was just doing all of these things with the brothers and enjoying the freedom of Christ with them together until these men came. And it was a problem then. Paul says he he did this because he feared what they might say about him. He separated himself from them. Paul says he stood condemned because Peter was actually doing the very thing that Paul is being accused of. As Peter disregarded church, the freedom that they shared in Christ to please man and their traditions. Paul says, I I had to oppose him and rebuke him to his face because he knew he was wrong. He stood condemned. And not only was he wrong, but but him and his his wrong hypocrisy was leading other Jewish brothers to follow in the same way, including Barnabas. And he says in verse 4, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, who was Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? This was Paul's rebuke to one of the great pillars of the faith. In other words, Paul is saying, bro, you was just enjoying the freedom of Christ where where you wasn't bound to the law as, as a Jew. Why would you call for the Gentiles to be bound to it? When you're not bound to it yourself. In fact, uh, why would you try to hold them accountable to something that you have never held? He says, all of you. All of you, 
who are trying to put these Gentile brothers back under the traditions of men are all guilty of breaking the same law that you are trying to put over their heads. Paul wants these Galatian believers to know that not only, church, has he stood for this truth before these men, but he stood on it before even the most revered apostle. Before everyone who tried to change or distort this gospel that came to him by way of revelation as as Jesus spoke this very word to him, he says, there's no way that I'm going to change and walk away from it. It was too real. It it changed my life and it, it shaped how I think about everything. To where I, I'm walking in the authority of the Lord to, to the point where I am willing to rebuke Peter to his face. As he was enticed to turn away from the truth of this gospel and fall back into a way of slavery. A way that of hypocrisy that Peter was, was leading these other brothers into as he faltered to the pressures of these men, fearing of what they might think about him. Paul is trying to say to these Galatians, the same uh, hypocrisy that I speak to you of now, the same hypocrisy that these men came to us with is the same hypocrisy that they are calling you to, that you have agreed to and have believed that I have come to you with (laughs) Uh, a life in which you are controlled by the fear of man rather than the fear of God. And he calls for them to follow in God's way, to not shrink back from the freedom of the gospel. But Paul wants them to know that 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 uh, that way of hypocrisy is not the way of the Lord, not the way that they have been called to, for they were called to a freedom, he says, of grace. And as Paul brings this account of his life and ministry to a close, he wants these Galatian believers to know that he has remained faithful to this way. He has remained faithful to this truth and faithful to his service to Christ and his gospel, and he has never faltered from it. But he has given everything of himself and his life to it. As he has given, as he was given the word and has been working tirelessly to take it to the ends of the earth. A message, church, that was not of his own, but was given to him from God as, as God called him and commissioned him to a life and service of, that is not of his own. That he might take the gospel to the Gentiles, those who he who would, would have never associated with carrying out a life of service to Christ. The same message, church, that has come to us in our day. By the same mission that Paul was called to 
This is how we have come to believe by, by men like Paul who stood on this gospel and didn't waver from it one minute in the face of those who called us back to a way of slavery. Men like Paul who wasn't enticed by the ways of the world, church, but one who was dedicated to the gospel mission where Paul faced every opposition and enticement of the world and then stood as a testament of God's faithfulness to us as he remained faithful to his call. And I'm sure if Paul was before you today, he would say that this was not of anything of myself, but it was only by the grace of God that I did any of it. The same grace that freed you from a life of sin and slavery under the law. Oh, church, I pray that, that this account wouldn't just be a historical narrative that you leave out here saying, oh, I understand, but, but that it would be an encouragement for us all today, church, an encouragement to stand on this gospel that we have received, an encouragement, church, to live out its implications as Christ has called us to this very same freedom, a calling and purpose that all true believers, if you are in Christ, was created for. A calling in which your life is no longer your own, but one in which you now live for Christ, for his glory, and not for the pleasing of man, church. A new life, not of your own, but one in which your whole perception of the world changes as God then becomes the center of it, becoming the, the center of your life and worldview from which you, you now operate out of, from which you go to work out of, from which you go to the grocery store out of, from which you, 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 you guard your eyes and your ears from. As these voices in the world continually try to pull you away from it. I pray that we would understand this gospel. That we would be on this mission so that we as his church might be the, the, the means of him creating this new world that he, is, he, he promises for us, church, as we would be the light on the hill and the salt of the earth, fulfilling a mission not of our own, fulfilling a mission by an authority not of our own, that we might bring him glory not of our own, but only his, as we live to truly serve him and make him known throughout the world, church. Amen. Let us pray.